Every time that happens, I think I'm in like a horror movie running from someone. You ever hear the heartbeat? You're like, thump, 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 thump. You know how movies use music to make you feel a certain emotion? I feel like I'm under attack every time I do that. It's perfect emotion for what we're talking about, attack of the heart. So uh, this morning, I, I want to add a little bit to uh, what Pastor Aaron said. One of the reasons we're asking people to RSVP for service, we're actually giving options, RSVP for in-service in this room, out in the atrium, but also online. There's a few factors that have come into play with this. One, we've realized we've reached capacity at different times. So the first question I've had people ask me, if I don't RSVP, are you telling me I can't come to church? No, that's not what we're telling you. We're just respectfully asking you that you would let us know. So even if it's in service, like right now, you can go in the app and say, oh, I'm RSVPing for service today, just that we know approximately how many people were here on each Sunday. It makes it a lot easier. And then also we can stay connected better in a time where it's really hard to know what's going on with everyone because there's a lot of different social distancing and, and people think different things about what's going on. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray to get us started into the sermon this morning. And the sermon today is going to be on Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. This is a passage that has been interpreted a, quite a few different ways. But the reality is that, that it's very important, and we're going to realize that the second part of the passage is probably the most important part of it. So let me pray um, as we start this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you, we just ask in the name of Jesus that you would move in a mighty way in our church, that we would produce grateful people, that we would have families uh, filled with gratefulness, that we would be a church body that, that loves Jesus, and that we, much like the lepers that we're going to hear about in, in your word, would realize where all our blessings come from. And we would be grateful for them. And in a time like this, in a day and age like this, Lord, we know that the church of Jesus Christ can grow both spiritually, numerically, and in many different ways, just as a result of difficulty. Help us to be a church that sees difficulty as an opportunity to be grateful for what we do have and what you've given us. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church. If you're joining us online uh, and it's your first time with us, please fill out our digital connection card in our app. I'd like to welcome you here in person, but also online. Uh, we're we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 17. Today we're going to be looking at lives that have been socially, emotionally, physically, spiritually destroyed, to put it mildly. How can we position ourselves in those moments to be grateful people, to be people that give credit where credit is due? You ever have a situation where you do something and your boss claims credit for it? Okay, None, nobody, of course, okay. You ever have a situation where you do something and someone else takes credit for it? Maybe that's a little bit broader. Some people, this situation that we're going to hear about there's only one out of ten people that actually give credit where credit is due. So if you have our app, then click the link at the top of the feed. You can join us there, and there's notes on there at our YouVersion event. If you're watching online, use one device, and then you can pull it up on another device. Today we're going to talk about joining an exclusive club. 
and I'm not talking any exclusive club, a very exclusive club. When I say exclusive, what do you think of? It's kind of rhetorical, but what do you think of when you think of exclusive? It's a, it's, it's a specific group. It's, a, it's an opportunity to be part of a specific group. It's limited to specific people. When I think of exclusive club, I think of like a country club, like you're a member of the club. Well, this is a little different what we're going to talk about today, because when we're under attack, we need to join an exclusive club. There's so many things, moments, and, and uh, I would say experiences that we go through that we just move on from really quickly. Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes we can't even remember what happened yesterday. Anyone have that problem? And I'm not saying because you're old. I'm saying because you just don't remember what happened yesterday. There's a lot of things that we move on from really quickly. We receive. This club that we need to be a part of is people that are grateful for the blessings we've been given. It's a small club. We might be socially or spiritually, emotionally, mentally, or physically under attack, but we need to join an exclusive club of grateful people. It almost should be the name of like a band or something, grateful people, right? We still have an opportunity when we're under attack, though, to join that exclusive club. Turn with me to Luke chapter 17. We're going to see a, a story of a miracle here that Jesus performs, and then afterwards, the response from the people that he heals. So I'm going to read through uh, verse uh, 15 here. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and the lepers... And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, sorry, who stood at a distance. That's very important. And he lifted up their voices, they lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests, and they went and they were cleansed. Okay, I'm going to stop actually at verse 14. Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem. And we think when we're on the way to Jerusalem, like when you're on the way to Fort Wayne, what road do you take? Okay. There's a road, right? There's a specific road we take. That's not what Luke is referring to here. It's, he's not necessarily on the road to Jerusalem in the sense that he's on the way to Jerusalem. Destination was important. Route wasn't. He could have given the specific road he was on and all that. He didn't give those details because there was a sense of expectation that Jesus was going to the epicenter, the center of all Judaism. He was going to go to where he was going to fulfill his mission. And Luke it wasn't a specific road that mattered in this case. And the place didn't matter. Do you notice it just says a village? How many times in the Bible do we hear about a place? The Old Testament is filled with places and monuments and, and spaces. It's just a village. The, the village didn't matter. So what did matter? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus is moving forward, still going to Jerusalem. And it's what happened, not where it happened, that matters. And that's what mattered to Luke, and it should matter to us, because that's what's in God's word. And so he, met, he was met in the village with ten lepers. Anyone ever seen a leper, a picture of a leper or anything like that? A few people? Okay. A leper. A leper has a, a skin disease. And so there's a few things of note here in the passage. One, lepers stood at a distance. Remind you of anything we're doing right now? Just throwing that out there. Lepers stood at a distance. 
they dared to enter the village. They weren't supposed to be in the village. There's a lot of passages that in the Old Testament described they were supposed to be outside the village, and now they just came into the village. So they did something they weren't really supposed to. They were strictly forbidden. There's actually a few passages from entering any type of settlement, a town, a village, a neighborhood, whatever you want to say. They were not allowed to go in there. They were supposed to stay out. Let, let me put it this way. Leprosy, what they had, was treated, the first century, first century equivalent was AIDS in the 80s, or even coronavirus now. And what I mean by that is, not much was known about it, and somehow everyone thought it was contagious, like you were just going to get it no matter what. And so leprosy had greater external effects than both those, but it caused a lot of fear. And there was not really a lot known about it, and they thought it was highly contagious. They thought it was really highly contagious. Leviticus in, in chapter 13, verse 45, tells us a little bit about what they were supposed to do or what the lepers were supposed to do. It says, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes. Torn clothes in the Old Testament especially was a sign of mourning. It was a sign of, of death, that they, there was death there. And let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. Okay, imagine this. Everyone that had a positive coronavirus test going around shouting unclean. That'd be a little weird and awkward, right? Unclean! Imagine your friends showing up to school. Unclean! You go to work. Unclean! Uh, it would just get, I mean, it'd be pretty frustrating. It's a little awkward, too. Socially isolating, we might say. They're, they're being socially destroyed by what they have to do. So they had a social, emotional, spiritual, and physical condition that brought great difficulty. They couldn't go in the presence of Jesus without great difficulty, without boldness. They were supposed to be outside in the village in their own leper camp, but they came inside the town. If anyone, if anyone was having an attack on their heart, it was the lepers. Can you imagine that? You can't go back to family. Like It's, it's like all of a sudden... I see my family, and I'm like, I can't go back because now I've got leprosy, and they know it, and so i got to get outside of town. They really lost any contact but with each other. And the disease was affecting their physical body in such a way that they looked like cadavers. Which if you've ever seen a cadaver, it's just like leathery skin. It's just not something that is uh, appealing. And this is where we find the lepers when they stop yelling, unclean, unclean. And they start saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. That's not what they're supposed to be saying. In fact, can you imagine the crowd around them being like part like the Red Sea because they're like, I'm getting away from the lepers. I don't want to be around the lepers. Why are they here? But unclean, unclean turns into master, have mercy on us. They were yelling desperately, asking for a restoration. They wanted to be restored to the way they were when they didn't have to live outside of town, when they didn't have to stay away from their own families. Their hearts had been attacked since the first signs of leprosy had happened. And it, it, it would be foolish for us to think of leprosy as just a, the disease and the fact that, that it was affecting their body. It affected them socially, right? It affected them emotionally. Can you imagine if you had kids... And all of a sudden you got leprosy and your, your, your husband or wife is like, get out of town. Like, that would be devastating. Devastating. 
And so we're going to see Jesus' response here. God restores those under attack that ask for mercy in faith. It's a lot of words. If you ask for mercy in faith, he responds. This moment is the only time in the entire New Testament that a non-disciple calls Jesus master. That means something. That's faith. may not be the faith that we're, we're going to see that their faith was somewhat limited, but there was faith. Master was a clear implication to the rest of the people. The rest of the people around in the audience would have known that Jesus had the power to give mercy and heal. Only God can give mercy. And so they're crying out to him in faith. And as a leper, this is what's interesting about these ten lepers. We don't hear what their background is until later. We only hear about one of them. But those ten lepers, when you're a leper, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, you're a Samaritan, you're Roman, like, you're a leper. All of a sudden, that divide of, of your, your family group doesn't matter anymore. Because leprosy was affecting them physically, but it affects on the culture, too. You know, I mentioned this shouting, unclean, unclean. Let's, if there was some equivalence of how ostracized, how separated from other people they were, it might be the caste system in India. Or there's a, there's, a, there's a minority group in China called the Uyghurs. Or something closer to us might be the stigma with a few different things. Drug addiction, mental health, poverty, the foster care system in the United States. There's certain stigmas that whether they're right or wrong, people have, and they treat people differently, and it's much like how the lepers were treated. And honestly, those stigmas are wrong, because Jesus' response is what the church's response should be. Each of us should respond how he does, and he actually responds in different ways. That's the whole point here. If you notice other times when he heals, he does something different than he does here, but we'll get to that. God restores in different ways to show his power. It's not one way that God works. It's many ways. Sometimes we put God in a box because we pray for a specific thing and then God brings it a different way. And then we're like, that's not what I asked for. The problem is God shows his power by doing things in different ways. There's not just one way to heal. It says, it says here Jesus saw them. He saw the lepers. And most people in that contest context would have looked away they wouldn't have looked at him oh no there's lepers here or they would have just walked away have you ever had that moment maybe you've had a broken relationship with someone else and you see him at somewhere out in public and you're like oh i don't want to see them <laughs> you ever do that that's what the people would have done only it would have been much more extreme in that case do you see those struggling with drug addiction mental health poverty or children in the system as made in the image of god in need of a savior? The other people didn't, and the culture didn't, but Jesus did. Jesus didn't always heal the same way. He does something different here. He doesn't touch them. Have you ever noticed in a lot of Jesus' miracles, it's someone touching him, like the woman who touched his cloak, or, or someone that, that he touches? He doesn't heal that way. He just sends them out. I think that's important for us to realize, because we sometimes think that Jesus can only do things if he's right next to us, really close, like we're really close right now. And the reality is Jesus can be with you even from a distance. He can. And another thing to learn here is when we're under attack, 
sometimes he's not going to take that away instantaneously. Sometimes we have to take a first step in faith. He doesn't remove it right away. It's important to remember that. But in our culture, what do we want? I want things now. That's why I stream video. I want it whenever I want, on demand. Do you notice these terms that we use? And yet we treat Jesus like that. And the reality is Jesus isn't anything like that. But where he sends the lepers is really important. He sends them to the priests. Think about this. In the Jewish culture, Jesus was someone that they were calling blasphemer at this point. They were saying like he was totally not who they wanted to be around. He didn't want... And so he sends the lepers to the synagogue because you go to the synagogue and they're almost like health inspectors. The, the, the priest would look over and say that they were clean, that there was no leprosy left, right? And they were like health inspectors in that sense. Well, the priests are going to hear of Jesus' power and work. I can't think of a better thing to happen at all. They're going to hear about it. So the lepers left, and Jesus, as he said to do, or as he said to do, they left, and they just, they listened to Jesus. And it says something very curious here. And it says right after that, and as they went, they were cleansed. Because it really means healed, but in their culture, they were unclean and dirty because of their leprosy. And because of that, they were cleansed. That means they were healed. It wasn't instantaneous, but it required faith to keep going. So at this point, we kind of have a pivot in the passage. If you notice, there's certain details that were left out. For whatever reason, Luke did that. I gave you some, some reasons, but... The lepers have a lot of things in common. There's 10 lepers, and they all have these things in common. This is very important to realize. They had the disease. They had, they had, it's called Hansen's disease. Leprosy's called that. So they wanted to do something about it. They were, they were daring enough to go into town. They heard about Jesus and believed in his power. They appealed to Jesus, calling him master. They were obedient to Jesus' command. They left the moment he asked them to. And, it's, and at the end there, they were all healed. That's where the comparisons stop at this point. That's where you're part of just everybody. Everybody would have gotten to this point. You're not part of an exclusive club. You're just, you're who you are. And then something pivots, starting in verse 15. Verse 15 of Luke chapter 17, it says, And then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. I love Luke. This is like dropping that little detail that we've been waiting on, and he just totally like pulls a pivot here, right there. And it continues, Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? It's very interesting that he says foreigner. Again, emphasizing the fact that it's a Samaritan. And Jesus continues, and he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. One out of ten. One out of ten. One out of ten. That's, the, that's it. One out of ten. That's the only person that was going to give credit where credit was due. Once they saw that they were healed, they turned around. It doesn't say that they got to the priest even. They went back to Jesus. It didn't say they got inspected to make sure they could go back to their family. Honestly, 
that was probably not on their mind because it was so urgent. But here's what's interesting. The other nine saw that person turn around. I highly doubt in this interaction that, that they didn't say, hey, I'm going to go thank Jesus, and they didn't actually say it, or they didn't act, their actions didn't show it, like, hey, what are you doing? I'm going back to thank Jesus. Someone asked him the question. But none of the other nine went. None of the other nine. And yet, they had to go to the priest. Like, this guy came back, and it didn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't say that they went to the priest, and they, they couldn't return to society. It's like getting tested for COVID. You need a negative test, right, to go back to society. Like, they didn't do it. He didn't care. It mattered so much. A few days of isolation from something like a negative or a COVID test is a huge difference from a lifetime of isolation. They had nothing. Like, they were, if he was still isolated, he would have lost everything that he just cried out for. And yet he turned around. He turned around. And he didn't continue on his way. He went back to Jesus. The first thing that happens is this leper comes back. And when he comes back, it says a loud voice. Praising God. He was grateful. And the word used for loud voice here is the word we get megaphone from. Okay? A megaphone. The lights flickered when I said megaphone. Wasn't that cool? Okay. Megaphone. So I thought about doing a megaphone, but it would probably really hurt your ears. But imagine him cupping his hands like this and just yelling at the top. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. He's just yelling. He doesn't care what other people see. He was loud. Everyone was going to hear what Jesus had done. How many times in your life have you walked around like that? Just everyone around you is going to hear about what Jesus has done in your life. Maybe they don't want to hear about it today. <laughs> but you're going to tell them. God restores us through a grateful heart. He needed to be restored. I can't think of a better word to describe restoration as something that we need as people this year. You know, I, I know that over time... We've had a, a, a roller coaster of a year. One of the things that David says in the Psalms, we just talked about the Psalms last week. He talks about being restored to the joy of your salvation. When you're restored to the joy of your salvation, that's when we're restored. And this is one way, through a grateful heart. The leper fell on his face at Jesus' feet. If you, if you read that, you might not notice that they were at a distance earlier inside the village, which was not something they were supposed to do. And now he's at Jesus' feet. He's close. He's been brought close, and he's not afraid. And then, and then uh, he's giving honor where honor was due. We don't bow to anybody. I mean, I don't remember the last time I put my face at someone's feet. I mean, you guys got stinky feet, okay? Everyone's got stinky feet. I'm not a feet person. I don't go anywhere near someone's feet. And he does this because he's giving honor where honor is due. He's worshiping him. Which again, to the people that were there, would have been like, uh, why are you saying Jesus is God? Why are you, what are you doing? And then Luke just drops a nugget of information to rebuke the people that were religious. And it just goes, he was a Samaritan. 
That's like, that's like the plot twist at the end of a movie. It's like, oh, you guys all thought he was a Jew. Oh, he was a Samaritan. He wasn't who you thought he was. The others cared. The others cared differently. The other nine cared about their healing, but not Jesus' mercy for them. And this one leper saw things differently. I think, I think if the church was like this all the time, we'd see more transformational change in our community. We would see a difference that, that we can't really quantify now or, or see now because blessings of life are from God's grace. And the more grateful we are for those, it's going to transform the culture. When the one who was grateful didn't see the healing as something he was owed, you ever feel like that? God owes me something. He didn't see it as something he was owed. He focused on God's grace found in Jesus. He didn't deserve it. The mercy that he received wasn't something he deserved, and he knew that. It's very interesting. His gratefulness, and this is something you can't, you can't force someone to do. You can't force someone to be grateful. You can become really bitter because someone else is not grateful. Have you guys ever noticed that? Because you're like, oh, I did so much for them, and they didn't even say thank you. Right? We can do that. But the gratefulness of the leper here this is very important, was freely given. Jesus didn't ask for it. It was bold, and it was spontaneous. It was like, like, I don't think he had a plan. He just came up to Jesus and is like, thank you, God, like a megaphone. And everyone's like, what's going on? Why did the leper come back? Oh, wait, that's not a leper anymore. That's a heel. Wait, I bet you they're like, ooh, was that one of the ten? Wait, what's going on? Everyone is brought to attention here. And I think what's important about this freely given concept is if we're not grateful quickly, we're usually not grateful ever. If you're not grateful quickly, you're, like I said, you're going to forget last week. You're going to be like, oh, I don't, I don't remember that. If you're not grateful quickly, you're not grateful ever. And, and it's really hard. Imagine this. I've, I've got four kids at the dinner table, and I tell my kids every night, say thank you to your mom for dinner, Right? Or they do it naturally, which is really hard at their age. Imagine if I said this to them. Hey, can you say thank you for mom making you dinner six months ago? Are you looking at me funny? Because that's, that's hilarious. Like, why would I ever do that? It doesn't make any sense. If you're not grateful quickly, you're not going to be grateful ever. It just doesn't work out that way. So when you've been blessed by something, the first thing you need to do is praise God and thank him for it. And maybe like the leper, you need to take a few moments and people need to hear about it too. God just did this in my life. It's amazing. It's harder to be grateful later and it's so easy to forget. I've forgotten to thank people. I'll just admit it. I forgot sometimes. It's important to see the other nine saw the one go back to Jesus but still chose not to go. So when you're trying to be grateful, realize that you're going to encounter opposition. There's times where I want to thank someone and... If I talk to someone else about it, they're like, oh, you don't need to thank them for that. It's like, well, I want to. If it's something that like, pours out of you, that's what needs to happen. Gratefulness is a rarity. And I would argue that it was a rarity in the first century, and it's a rarity now. It's not something that we decide to, to, to all of a sudden do. It's something we have to work at. Here's some verses that make it clear we have many things to be grateful for. So I'm going I'm to go through a few verses back to back here. 
And these verses are things that we can be grateful for now, today, in the here and now, in this service, but also during the week. Maybe you want to write some of these down and pray over them and, and think of them. So I'm going to start in the Psalms. Psalm 118, 21 says, I thank you that you've answered me and become my salvation. God answers us. Isn't that something to be grateful for? When we were his enemy, if, you, if you're an enemy of God, you, he doesn't answer you. Romans 1.8, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. We have to be thankful for other believers' testimonies. Every person in this room has a story. Every person watching online has a story. And that story has been shaped by other believers as well, people that are following Jesus. You wouldn't be where you're at if it weren't for someone else. That's how I see it. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can be thankful for the hope of eternal life. It's only through Jesus that we have hope of eternal life. Otherwise, it's more like a wish. I, shot a, I saw a shooting star the other day, and I kept thinking, like, imagine if we had to wish on a star, like some Disney movie, versus, like, we know in God's word that we have eternal life. We have a hope of eternal life. That's something to be grateful for. 2 Corinthians 2.14. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and, spread, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. What's interesting is this is, this is the, the flip side of this. We need to be grateful for deliverance and victory even when persecution comes. Even when people tell you that your faith really is, doesn't mean anything or they won't believe the same way you do. We need to be thankful for deliverance in that case. 1 Thessalonians 2.13, and this is, the, this is the last verse. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. This is for those that respond to the word of God. We need to be thankful for that. We, we can be really, really ungrateful. We can be really ungrateful and just be like, well, there's the two people that didn't listen to me when I shared about Jesus, but then there's the one that did. Or in this case, imagine this. Imagine if every one of us counted how many times we've shared our faith in our lifetime, okay? And I'm just going to give a really, like, high number. Say it's 100 times. 10 people respond in our lifetime over 70 years. That's kind of what Jesus was dealing with. It was one-tenth one of the people responded with gratefulness. And the same thing can happen when we share the Word of God. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to, oh, I'm going to go run and, and follow Jesus right away. It may take years, so those are things we can be grateful for. Daryl Bach made this observation. He, he's a, a scholar that has done a lot on Luke, like probably the top three commentaries on Luke is written by Daryl Bach. He said, those who do not, take blessings, or do not take blessings for granted make an exclusive club of surprising people. Let's surprise people. What are we, what are we afraid of? What's, what's the, what could happen if we're grateful? What could happen if we're not grateful? Do you want to be like everyone else? I, 
I don't. I don't want to be someone that, that you know, the other day, <laughs> the other day I, you know, I, I, I had talked with someone about opening doors for people, like at a restaurant, as a matter of courtesy. And my son, uh, he's five, okay, to give you some context, opened the door for people, right? And then his sister, his three-year-old sister was coming. We were out somewhere. And he opened the door and kept the door open, and then he just let it go. Like, just let it go. And a three-year-old, what do they do when there's a glass door? They just run into it full blast. I thought she broke her nose. Like, let's be the people that are different. Let's hold the door open. Let's do things the right way. Let's be grateful. Let's surprise people. Be part of that exclusive club. The nine lepers focused on the event The one focused on Jesus and his healing power and mercy. There was a different perspective there. One other person put it this way for us to apply. apply. Look for the sun, not for the clouds. I know that sounds really... Look for the sun. Look for what Jesus is doing instead of the fact that we've got this heavy cloud over us every day. We all know someone that, that struggles with that. And maybe you do, where there's just this cloud over you. And it's like... Focus on the sun. The nine failed to recognize the divine blessing from Jesus. Jesus points this out by asking, where are the nine? Can you imagine being there? I just, I, I, I just feel like if I was there and I see this leper come up and he's yelling, he's praising God, he's at Jesus' feet, and then Jesus says in this, well, Jesus' voice, no one knows what his voice was like, but let's say it's booming, you know? And it's like, where are the other nine? It's like, well, I left them back on the road, and they didn't want to come, and didn't, you know, like, I, I, I can't imagine the leper didn't even hear that. Like, he's been healed. He doesn't, he's not listening. I think where are the other nine is really for the people that are hearing what Jesus is saying. Someone heard it. Disciples were there. Why didn't the other ones return? Jesus says something here that I think is very important. And we'll miss if you just read over this really quickly. He says, was no one found? He's implying they're lost. He's implying they don't have salvation. They might have been healed, but they don't have salvation. They're not going to receive salvation. And then he uses a term that would be offensive. In our PC culture, we cannot say this. Only this foreigner? I can't remember the last time I heard someone say, use the word foreigner. It's kind of offensive. Like, why would you call someone a foreigner? Everyone's American. It's like, well, okay. This foreigner returned with gratitude. That's what Jesus observed. He saw this. He's making a point here. It's not about being from the right family. Why, why does Luke wait to say he's Samaritan? It's not about being in the right family. It's not about growing up in the church. It's not about listening to the right messages. It's about the fruit that's produced. Simple as that. If you've heard the parable of the Good Samaritan, that's the one that gets the most, uh, let's say, publicity. Everyone talks about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Even if you've never been to church, you might have heard it before. This is about a Samaritan too, and it's about following his example. There's a theme here. Here it's even more important than the Good Samaritan because there's eternal significance. This is about salvation. This is about eternity. The other nine received physical healing but not spiritual healing. In verse 19, Jesus does something that we could quickly skim over and miss. He performs the the task that he asked the priest to do, declaring him clean. And he gave the Samaritan full access to the presence of God. He is saying, 
that he has the power of God. Again, people are watching this going, blasphemer. He's doing the thing that we told him not to, that the, the Pharisees are not happy. That leper received salvation because of faith. His faith produced fruit through gratefulness. That moment where he's coming back to Jesus, that's fruit. That's, that's uh, to use another term, that's his heart changed. It was transformed to want to do that. And I can tell you that in that culture, no Samaritan would think, I'm going to go back to this Jewish teacher. If he thought it was just a Jewish teacher, he wouldn't have gone back. Because the Jews definitely wanted to isolate the Samaritan groups. They even worship at different places. If you go to Israel now, there's Mount Gerizim. It's totally different. It's a totally different place where the Samaritans worship. He didn't go back because of his upbringing or his status as a Jew. So what can we learn from this? What can we learn? When we're under attack, when we feel that we're struggling, it doesn't matter if we grew up in church if our hearts are not grateful. It doesn't matter if what family we came from if we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The hardest thing that I saw as a youth pastor was specifically that, that switch that flips when you make your faith your own. Because I, I hate to say this to, to, in front of parents and everything, but there is a point where your child's going to get a driver's license. Okay, that's even scary, right? And there's a point where they're going to live somewhere that you are not, potentially. And that's the moment when you're going to know where they're, they're going and what they're doing. In your home, it's so much easier and different. And the reality is, it doesn't matter that as long, it doesn't matter what family you're in, as long as you have a personal relationship with Jesus. When we're under attack, God is there to restore us. He might not restore us instantaneously. Have you ever, have you ever noticed like how this year has dragged on? Didn't we start like in March thinking it was going to be like four weeks, three weeks, two weeks? And now it's like we're in November and things are going the opposite direction in a lot of ways both in our country, but all over the world. And so we sit here, and our hopes are, I just want to have a normal Thanksgiving. Well, I'm here to tell you, it might not be normal, whatever that is, because Thanksgiving's not always normal. Christmas might not look the way it does in normal years, but guess what? God is still there with you. And much like this leper, we need to be grateful for the blessings that he's given us and the abilities he's given us and the fact that that. There are people that don't have what we have, but it's not even about that. It's about being generous with what God's given us. God's going to restore us in his time. The key to a grateful heart is being focused on the right source of the blessing. Nine lepers got it wrong, and one got it right. I would love it if our church was that one. If we had a heart of gratefulness where we focused on where the blessing is from, our bodies may fall apart. Some of you might need surgeries. Some of you might have cancer. Some of you might have uh, different health ailments. Our bodies are going to fall apart. But every moment that we have is from God. God's the bearer of all good gifts. And so really the gratefulness that is a result of this is also an act of worship. When we sing songs, that's what we're doing. We're worshiping God for his blessings that he's given us. But I'm going to tell you also, sometimes he brings trials. And in James, it talks about how that produces fruit in us and character. 
And I feel like this is a year of character. If we're honest with ourselves, there's a lot of character being built this year. There's a transformational change in us as individuals, as family units, as a church, to be focused entirely on him. So what? So what am I supposed to do? What, what should I do, Pastor John? What should I do? It's as simple as this. God restores those under attack that ask for mercy and faith and in different ways, in different ways to show his power. Start by having faith. When you need mercy... Ask God for it. This morning I made a big mistake. Big, big mistake. My wife's not in here to tell you guys all about it, but I made a big mistake this morning and I need a little bit of mercy and a little bit of grace. So I left the house in my car. Well, not my car, a friend's car, ironically. <laughs> and I left home in the minivans there and I had put all the seats down because I'd moved some stuff for the church yesterday and I didn't put the car seats back in the car. It was terrible. I got a funny video. She's like, you left all the car seats out. Imagine having four kids and trying to do that. So I need a little bit of mercy. It's not like the mercy in this passage, but it's, it's definitely mercy. Every day we wake up and we still need that mercy and grace. And I think the easiest way we can forget about it is go about our day without realizing that we have access to the presence of God through Jesus Christ. Don't forget that. Don't wake up and the first thing you do is check whatever news. First thing you do is wake up and God, thank you for another day. I'm grateful. Let's live as a grateful people. I, I know, I know that none of us can get through life being unthankful, ungrateful. So the heart behind that is that God restores us through a grateful heart. When you're burdened by something, the easiest thing you can do is write out a list of things that you're grateful for. And this year, it might look a lot different. I'm grateful for technology right now because you can FaceTime relatives that you won't see. I'm grateful for things that have happened this year that have made me rethink how I worship God. Because it's not just about when we meet this Sunday morning it's about everything the whole, as the whole week goes on. And it's almost like there's a worship gauge of where your worship is at as the week goes on. And when you have a grateful heart, it's really full. Because nothing can stop you from worshiping God when you are worshiping him with gratefulness. So this week as we go out from here, if you're online watching at home, think of opportunities that you can be grateful and show gratefulness to God gratefulness to others you know some of the greatest things that have ever happened in my life the most memorable moments are when people have have come up to me or I've had the opportunity to come up to someone else and thank them for something and see their response and like sometimes it's shock like oh I always would you know what no like no really thank you some people just need to hear that Maybe you need to hear that today. But just be a grateful people because that is what God has called us to be. Let's be part of the exclusive club. I'll call it the one leper club, okay? The one instead of the nine. Let's be like that one. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just ask that you would produce fruit in our hearts and our minds. 
that you would help us to see ways that we can be grateful where maybe we have not been. Give us an opportunity this week, this month, a month of thankfulness in our country, but also a month that we can be grateful for others. Grateful for what you did when you died on the cross. When you came to this planet to give mercy, to give grace. And that you have given us the Holy Spirit to continue to minister to others. And it's only through you that we can do that. God, help us to be like the one leper. Maybe we need to, there's, there's some watching online or some here that need to today go to someone else and just show their gratefulness for them. God, help us to be an overwhelming people of gratefulness. And for those that have, have served in our community, in a job, at church, at a school, that have really been worn down. God, help us, help us as a people to show our gratefulness for them and for what they do. God, we are, we are thankful that we can read that and realize how much you've given us and what we can do as a result. We say all this in Jesus' name, amen.